0: And now, our feature presentation. I like it spooky.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to I Like It Spooky Horror Podcast, I'm Brian. I am Clint, and
0: if you think our film selections here on the flagship show have been a bit bizarre and all over the place lately, well, just wait till you hear us talk about Naked Lunch here in a little
1: bit. It has nothing to do with being naked or lunch. Well, they might eat lunch in the movies. It's false
0: advertising. I had a friend who, uh like, what movie are you cover next? I was like, Naked Lunch? What the fuck is that? So I explained what I knew of it. because I, This is a first time watch for the both of us, isn't it? Yes. They said, well, that's not really a horror movie. And I said, no. I've also been trying to get this person to watch some non-horror movies lately. Like I've kind of slipped back into watching um kind of what this Naked Lunch is supposed to be, like the Pulp Noir kind of modern films like... uh payback with mel gibson or last man standing with bruce willis like i've just been watching a lot of that they said well i'm a horror snob and all i do is watch horror and i was like well you need to find the horror that exists in other movies because it's there horror is everywhere which is kind of what i thought we were getting into with naked lunch but oh boy
1: science fiction i don't even fucking know
0: I mean, I think it's listed as a drama. If you go on the Internet Movie Database, the category is drama. I don't even get the drama from it. You know what? Hey, we're setting everybody up to let them think they know what the reality of what we thought about this film is. This film is full of hallucinations. But speaking of drama, before we get to that, let's get to some news.
1: So there's a lot of, again, this episode, a lot of horror news that's floating around that's really interesting. So I have, I mean, three things pulled up. I know one of them we will definitely talk about together. And I know you love your tabletop board games, and it sounds like House of a Thousand Corpses is coming as a board game from Trick or Treat Studios. Celebrate its 20th anniversary, which was last year, but why the hell not celebrate it this year?
0: I saw the blurb about that. Uh, I didn't investigate because I still haven't even had time to play the Stop the Killer My Bloody Valentine game. So I don't think I'm getting any new games here soon. I actually got some game stuff for Boots, but that'll be here in a minute when we talk about why we're poor.
1: I don't even know what the game is about. It just says you can go on and join the Kickstarter and try to survive the night. I don't know. Speaking of tabletop games,
0: this is probably one of the ones I think you're going to talk about, because I just sent you this a half hour ago. You saw that Stop the Killer Games is putting out Eli Roth's Thanksgiving board game also.
1: It's got to be better than the movie. I know I get shit all the time for not liking that movie. I was actually telling some friends the one thing that I'm excited about from Thanksgiving is that a kid from some of finley's favorite gateway horror movies is in thanksgiving i would imagine he'll be in the second one so i would imagine eventually he'll be at conventions and i can take her and she can meet zed from zombies you know the disney zombie show is the boyfriend that kind of both main guys were assholes in the movie so i don't even know which one he's just the asshole boyfriend the other guy's the asshole ex-boyfriend i want to meet zed from zombie from disney zombie now, what up
0: everybody? Let me- new start for your boy young z i'm gonna go up and he's gonna be like oh he has something for me to sign from thanksgiving and i'm gonna go no zed sign <laughs> the colorful disney zombie thing for me do the dance dance monkey fucking dance
1: <laughs> that'd be why i would go to a, an event where he's at the other thing it sounds like nicholas cage has another movie coming to theaters in april arcadian a post-apocalyptic creature feature stars nicholas cage shot in ireland after a catastrophic event hits the world a father and his two sons must survive their dystopian environment while being threatened by mysterious creatures that emerge at night
0: i could have swore that i read And we talked about it recently, that Nicolas Cage was going to be stepping away from acting.
1: I thought we had talked about that, but maybe he did this before he stepped away? I mean, it's coming out in April. Maybe he didn't
0: step away. You know, from the last episode where we uh, covered John Carpenter's The Ward, where all was not what it seemed, go back and listen to the episode to find out what we're talking about. Cheap plug, the hallucinogenic drugs that we're going to be talking about in the movie here in a little bit for this episode. Is any of this real? Is
1: Nicolas Cage real? I'm beginning to wonder myself. You got you uh, roach powder on you? Nope. It's all gone. Oh, damn it. <clears throat> and then uh, the third thing that I felt like we would probably talk about together was there's this new movie coming out called Laugh, and it's actually dropped its trailer as a horror movie unleashes the demonic entity Collapso, Calypso. It's a killer clown. And I watched the trailer in it. It looks like a good time. And it's from Peter Anthony. It's... Got it's Indiegogo is going on right now, so you can go on to Indiegogo and look it up and buy all kinds of cool shit. I'm excited for this one. This is one of the reasons I'm
0: excited. Uh, there's a few reasons. One is uh, I'm not going to pretend that uh, I know Peter Anthony. We've talked online a couple times. I've seen him at a convention. We do have some mutual friends. We talk about our friend Brent Edgett quite a bit. Brent worked with Peter Anthony when he did the Friday the 13th fan film Roseblood. I almost said Rosebud. Roseblood. Brent also did some work on this trailer that you're talking about. And I'm assuming we'll also do work in the feature film. So it's cool that we know someone involved, but I also am excited because I know that Peter Anthony is excited when he announced the launch of this project. Oh, God. I don't know. That was early last fall of 2023, maybe, I think, a few months ago. He was excited. And then the other reason I'm really excited about this is this is a prime example of an indie filmmaker who is a fan of the genre getting out of the fan film part of things, using that fan film, which is a fantastic thing, but as what I think it should be, a real, a platform to elevate yourself and your projects to the next level. And so now he's working on his own original project, and uh, it's just amazing. Very excited for this.
1: Well, I'll give you another reason to be excited. Terry Kizer from Weekend at Bernie's. Kaiser. um, And Friday 13th Part 7 is starring in this one. I mean, a great lead actor. Well, and of course,
0: Peter Anthony's in this too, because he's a he's a big, big dude. He's got such a physical presence and he's just kind of intense, you know, when he delivers his lines and stuff. So I, I can't wait to see this film.
1: Yeah, I'm on the, the Indiegogo looking at all the stuff. I'm like, oh, 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 look at that. Look at that.
0: <laughs> Not to mention, I don't know if this was his plan, but if you think about it, it's pretty ingenious to launch your Indiegogo right around the time everybody's getting their taxes back. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty fucking smart, little indispensable. Income floating around.
1: There's uh, quite a few things on sale right now on the Indiegogo. So if it's still on sale, when this episode drops, you should go over and look at stuff. I mean, there's 10, 25% off stuff.
0: I'm going to say this too. Whether it's someone like Peter Anthony and his current project on Indiegogo, or another independent film, or I don't know, hell, even if you were a fan of Eli Roth's Thanksgiving, you know, a lot of times on this show, we go back and we cover older films. But it is so important to support new up-and-coming horror. I mean, because if we just keep hashing over the same movies and the same memorabilia, I mean, there has to be more. We have to keep this going.
1: So what do you got for news? Anything exciting? Well, that
0: kind of segues me into my news. We we spoke real briefly before we sat down to record, and you told me you were going to bring up Laugh. So... Just before we started to record, so this was maybe an hour ago, Uh, the filmmakers behind Victim No More, which is a Friday the 13th fan film, which uh, is one of the many, but I actually happened to enjoy this one. They announced that members of the Survivor Squad are gearing up and pumped to return in Loose Ends, Victim No More Part 2.
1: So some more Friday the 13th stuff.
0: Did you watch Victim No More?
1: Yeah, I liked it.
0: What was cool, too, is it was the one that had Catherine Mary Stewart from Night of the Comet play a bit part in it. And it was just an interesting story. It was well shot. I thought it got a little kind of, I don't know, superhero-y gimmicky, a little bit towards the end. But I still thoroughly enjoyed the film, so I can't wait to see more.
1: Yeah, and we're not getting anything Friday the 13th from anybody else. I mean, we're going to get eventually the... TV series. I haven't heard anything about that in a while, so I don't know what's going on with that, if the strike kind of slowed things down a lot.
0: I think we talked about when uh, former co-host Jason was on a few episodes back when we did the look ahead that I don't even know if 2024 is going to be... Well, the movies we discussed, we were all kind of like, this is all lackluster, and we just weren't interested. Nothing sounded... A few things were cool, but I really think 2025. Everything's kind of gearing up, warming up, starting to simmer. Hopefully soon.
1: The other thing that I watched today that somebody had brought up was a sting to trailer for a spider movie. And I can't remember if we talked about that one. But again, it didn't look like a Paramount or a Fox or a big budget company was putting it out. It was a kind of a middle or low budget. It, not that it looked low or middle budget, but I was like, I don't know who's any of these people are or who's putting it out, but it looked good. Well, that's
0: what we need is some good, fresh,
1: new horror to look at. What sneaks on our radar this year and what we are interested to see will be stuff from independents and maybe foreign stuff that wasn't affected by the strike. You know, stumble across a whole bunch of new stuff that wouldn't have got out if the strike was going on. I mean, it helps some people that, you know, wouldn't have got their stuff in front of people if Fox and Paramount and all those guys were flooding the market with stuff.
0: And, you know, they're going to need some monetary support. Actually, it is tax time. I'm not as poor as normal, but I could always use some monetary support because I'm poor.
1: Are you still poor this time? Not too poor. I haven't got my taxes back yet.
0: Hey, February is always like the, we're not so poor. Why are we poor segment?
1: So the first thing didn't cost me anything because it came from a fan of the show. I think I shared this with you, Clint. I got a postcard.
0: Green Slime. I love Green Slime. I love the movie. We're going to cover the movie. I love singing the song. I love everything about Green Slime. You can just quit talking. I'm just going to keep talking. Green Slime, Green Slime, Green... Where did you get a Green Slime postcard?
1: From our friend... Yeah, that's nice.
0: So I got this Green Slime collectible action figure from Monstars. That's pretty cool. And whenever I see it, I sing Green Slime. Right now would be a really good... Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say?
1: From our friend Sarah. Right now
0: would be a really good time to insert the Green Slime theme song. Right now. Right now.
1: Open the door, you find the secret. To find the answer is to keep it. you believe it when you find something screaming across your mouth. It's From our friend Sarah in Pennsylvania, you know, the one we ran into at uh, yeah, yeah I remember Sarah. What was that restaurant we ate at? Oh
0: gosh, it was like a started with a P and it had really good sandwiches. I had
1: a good time. Night Swim, she says, I've already shared this on our socials like our TikTok and uh, YouTube. I read it, but we'll read it again. Greetings and salutations. This is just a friendly note letting you know, Night Swim would have been better as an R film, maybe. You and I should check out Poor Things if you haven't. Oh, and... And you should check out, which I do want to see poor things, but it's another one of those, like a uh, kind of science fiction-y from what I've heard of it. Science fiction-y Frankenstein kind of movie, but art house.
0: I don't think I've heard anything about it. I did though, to kind of derail for a second, you had brought up Piggy a while back and I watched most of Piggy. I did fall asleep, not because Piggy was uninteresting. It's because I was just extremely exhausted, but I enjoyed that film. There's another example of something new and fresh. Piggy is fun.
1: Yeah, that was a from Mexico, right? I believe so. It's interesting what you stumble upon. I was actually making fun of the people I work with again this week um because I watch all this weird shit and I was like, "Oh, did you guys hear about this movie?" and they're like, "No." And I was like, "Oh, it's a from italy or something and they're like oh of course you'd watch it i was like of course you uncultured swine wouldn't know of anything from foreign lands (laughs) (laughs) that's funny they're like shut up get out of here so the other thing that i got this did cost me money but uh fright rags a couple weeks ago did the halloween i think it's just the official movie photo cards it's just the set So they reissued this. I think it was like 30 bucks. And people were still on eBay buying it as it's on Fright Rags for like $60. I'm like, what? You can get it over here for... But Halloween stuff always sells well. So I picked it up.
0: See, and that's cool. But I'm not going to go on a tangent. Uh, Okay, I'm going to go on a short tangent. When Fright Rags, NECA, who's infamous for doing this, Trick or Treat Studios, anybody, they release stuff and, oh, it's limited. It's limited. And so everybody scrambles to buy it. And then you feel like you have this valuable collectible. And then they just reissue it somewhere down the line, which is cool for people who couldn't get it. But if it's limited, it's fucking limited. Leave it alone.
1: Well, and the only reason I picked it up because I was like, eh, it's." I had a coupon for free shipping or 20% off. And it's Halloween. And I know that I could have turned around that day and sold it for 60. And now I could probably sell it for 80 or trade it for something that I want. I'm going to make money on it because I I don't know that I'll keep it. I mean, it might sit up there for a while.
0: I bet you could trade it for a physical copy of Green Slime. Oh, at least one. It's a great movie. Can we watch
1: it on YouTube?
0: Probably, because it's not that great of a movie. No? (laughs) No, it's great to me, but it's not that great where it probably lives on YouTube. Do you have an action figure? What did you just pull down? What is that? Whoa, what is this?
1: My buddy Tad. Uh, has more action figures than I would know what to do with. He found me a tar man, Toony Terrors. Oh, okay. And they're hard to find. I have, the, I have not seen one at all. And he's actually kind of cool looking. You know, he's not a bad sculpt for a Toonie Terrors. And he's not very Toony for a Toonie Terrors. Because, I mean, Tarman's kind of Toonie anyway.
0: If you look at the Amic Time figure, it is more realistic. And that's just kind of got the more bug eyes and the softer kind of expressions or whatever, or features. It's cool.
1: On the back has the little barrel he climbed out of. You can cut it out and put him up there, but I'm going to leave it in the package. But it was also $15. So, I mean, I don't know what that other one goes for, like close to a hundred, maybe.
0: Well, more than that. So, and see, that's, I'm not a big fan of the Toonie tears. I haven't messed with this as much as normal, but um, I have quite a few aquariums, not as many as I used to. And I'd make them all horror themed and I would put like NECA figures and like, I have an evil dead one in my basement. Brian, you've seen it. And there's Ash and Henrietta and, and the the cabin and the book and Freddy's claws kind of hit in the corner. It's expensive. You're buying these expensive neck of the Henrietta goes for over a hundred and the, the tar man, the Amic Time one that goes for God, especially mine's autographed two, three, four hundred two, three, 400 bucks, you know? So I'm glad that Tooney Tears is there because you can take some cheaper $15 ones and kind of do the same thing if you ever want to make an aquarium or pop them out of the box and make a diorama or do something fun with them.
1: For 15 bucks. And I collect mostly. Return of the Living Dead. I think there's a there's a Harry Warden too, I believe, isn't there? There is, yep. I haven't picked that one up. I've seen it a couple of times. I was like, eh, I should. For fifteen bucks. The Tootie tear
0: that I liked the most was they did a a two-pack from American Werewolf in London. So you had, and I forget the characters' names, but you had the one character, the main character, when he turned in, was a Peter, I think, when he turned into the werewolf. And then his buddy who got killed and came back as like a zombie ghost, and they were both in there. Because there are no other toys like that. There is the American Werewolf in London NECA toy, but you don't have the other character. And so some of the stuff's cooler. They they did the Shining Twins
1: that look nice. Uh, Jaws. That's kind of cool. I mean, got the shark and got Quinn in it for 15 bucks, though. I was like, eh. and he grabbed it for me. He was looking for one. He said, oh, there's an extra. And I was like, yeah, grab it. I didn't even have to go shopping for it. Nice. No movies. Oh, yeah. Wait, no, I lied. What would it be without movies? Would you be like, this isn't a real why are we poor segment? These came from Mason City, Iowa. Hell, I didn't even know there's more than one town in Iowa. these came from our friend brian clark the incredible strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies i love it just based off the title can i see the cover okay yeah i know what that is it's a dvd blood shack the hollywood strangler meets the skid row slasher that sounds like a fucking good time right there and this was the extra the fury of the wolfman Starring Paul Nachi. or I don't know, I think that's how you say his name.
0: Is there a vampire in the back with red lasers
1: coming out of her eyes? I don't know if she's a vampire or just maybe it's his wife. I told you to get home and eat dinner. (laughs) That's why he turned (laughs) into the wolf. He's like, Leave me alone, woman.
0: He wolfs out. The teen wolf song, Win in the End, starts playing. Yeah.
1: He's like, I had these movies, I was going to put them on eBay, but then I thought of you, because if you look closely, not on the werewolf one, but on the other three, it says includes special commentary by Joe Bob Briggs. Oh, look at that. These all three have commentary by Joe Bob Briggs. And I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. He's like, Yeah, there's like six movies he did commentary on back then. And he was upgrading his to I think Blu-ray or he'd bought a box set of them. Hell, I don't know. So he sold them to me for twenty bucks. He gave me a hell of a deal. I know
0: that incredibly strange seventeen other word, I forget of the whole title of movie. Um that's been around for a while. I haven't seen it, but I know what it is. But those other ones, I you know, no clue.
1: Yeah, I don't know. They probably showed after Demoniacs or some shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Look, come on. We talk about that movie so much on this show that they're, they're now they're doing the 4K. We keep talking about it. They're going to do a sequel.
1: Oh, as long as the main lady's in it, I'll be all
0: right. I got it. I got to tell you, I think I'd almost rather watch Demoniacs than Naked Lunch.
1: Oh, yeah? Yeah. She was not in Naked Lunch. No, she was not. Even if she's like, I don't even know when Demoniacs come out. 70s, maybe? 74, I think it was. Yeah, so she's 50 years older than she was then. So she's 84 now. So you'd watch her in the sequel to Demoniacs, still over Naked Lunch?
0: I think so, yeah. I think so.
1: (laughs) Sober, anyway. Me too, yeah. Without any roach powder. (laughs) (laughs) All gone. So would you get anything?
0: Well, I tell you what, we so we're actually recording this episode when we normally would, which is sooner than what we were going to. We always talk about pulling the curtain back. We had some schedule conflicts, mainly, mainly my my fault. So I had all was all set for the why are we poor because I was talking about tax season and I have some income coming and in. so I was go I'm gonna be buying a new computer for recording and I'm gonna be getting myself a new mic. If you listen to the past couple episodes I have this habit where I've been hitting the mic, and so I'm gonna get the arm, you know, where it comes down. It's not right in front of my lap, so I quit doing that. As of this recording, I have not spent any cash on myself or for the show, except I went out yesterday and I bought boots, some D and D stuff. Boots and some of her friends at school have gotten into Dungeons and Dragons. It's kind of cool. Once a week, they meet after school, and then there's um I forget who the the adult is, but he's he's involved with the school. I'm a terrible parent, I forget who he is, but he also plays D&D, but what sucks is is he's been sick, and it just seems like every week they cancel, and they don't have the starter kits or anything, so they're just doing all this stuff you know, off imagination, which is fantastic. I finally looked at her and I was like, you know what, how about we have the room down here, I've got the, Brian, you've seen, I've got the giant poker table there where we always play our board games and stuff, I was like, why don't we have all your friends over here and you can have D&D here, so she was excited about it, all of her friends are excited, so we went out and got her a starter pack and some figures and just a bunch of other stuff to get them going. I don't really fully understand the D&D world, but she does and they are excited. It's always a good investment when you spend money on your kids to let them explore and have fun, I think.
1: So the dungeon master has been sick so they can't play.
0: I'm thinking he's the dungeon master. Yeah, that's what it is. So they have been kind of doing impromptu dungeon masters. They don't have the board in front of them and they don't have any kind of guidance. They're just like, you know, they have like um boots for uh Christmas got these really cool blue dragon eye dice. They're badass. Like there's a dragon eye in there and however you turn the dice, the eye follows you and real shiny. So I think they have like dice and stuff and just a general concept, but nothing to really get them going to the next level. We're at this comic shop yesterday trying to find stuff and there's all these expansions and spin off games. And uh, luckily the guy there was... Really helpful and kind of pointed us in some directions to get her started.
1: I played a little D when I was younger, but never got like deep into it. But I think it would be fun if there was like a DD Army of Darkness expansion pack or Evil.
0: There is. There is.
1: Is there? Oh, that'd be a blast.
0: So I have in the other room, I got this for Melissa back when her and I were together. And it's this, it looks, it's an actual size. It looks just like the Book of the Dead. And then you pull it out and it's this game and it's a DD style game. We didn't realize at the time when we got we got this thing years ago that it is um real hardcore D and so we're flipping through trying to figure it out it's so intimidating now it's just sits with the toys because the cover looks cool but yeah they do they have an evil dead one
1: yeah i knew they had like lord of the rings and some other science fictiony stuff yeah that would be cool uh, a D army of darkness or uh you know, I don't even know what other horror movies you could put back in that time period. Dracula or Frankenstein or the Wolf Man, or hell, maybe you could even build like a and d Friday the 13th. Yeah, I think you could do anything. You
0: could do anything. You could do, a, you could do a Joe
1: Bob Briggs D&D style game. So you'd have to kill Joe Bob? He'd be one of the characters maybe?
0: I don't know. Let's see what people come up with. We just kind of planted a seed. We put it out there and let's see what the creative
1: people listening to our show come up with. Here in like six months, we'll be like, oh, on the news, D&D Joe Bob starter packer. From Fright Rags or Trick or Treat Studios.
0: Well, if you, if you think about it, these board games that you were talking about a little bit earlier here in the show, especially the Stop the Killer ones, to a degree, they are kind of DD style games because you've got the cards and minus hit points and stuff. It is not quite DD, It's integrated with the spinner wheel, go back two spaces type thing. But there's a Silent Night, Deadly Night, what, the Halloween 2 one, the Thanksgiving one's coming out.
1: You could tell Boots that for your birthday, you want to play... Green slime D version. Ooh. You go to like outer space and fight the green slime.
0: Ooh, and then whoever loses they have to listen to me sing the whole entire theme song of Green Slime. I tell you what, I am willing to pay for someone to explain to me how to play the Evil Dead one because it just sits on my shelf. But if I'll have to show you the next time you're up here, Brian, and let you look at it, it is It is just so fucking intimidating. I don't know. I, it is so involved that I think the, the cost would be high to pay someone to explain to me how to you know play it. So maybe we should take it to what a sponsor you think so we can get some cash so I can play the fucking game.
1: And some singing lessons for the Green Slime. Hey. <laughs> is it like a 80s hair metal band Green Slime, or is it like that 70s screaming lady kind of like in Austin Powers music?
0: No, I'll send you the link. It's a really cool kind of 60s garage band song, because that movie came out in like 67, maybe, or something. I can't remember. It was mid to late 60s. I'm just like uh,
1: imagining Josie and the Pussycats singing Green Slime, and then... No. No. <laughs> the global community for podcasts good pods is
0: a fast-growing award-winning free podcast player and discovery app where you can listen to discover and share all your favorite podcasts and shows available on iphone and android app stores or at goodpods.com it is the place to follow your friends discover new podcasts track your podcast listens and bookmark new podcasts for later Sign up today for your free account at goodpods.com.
1: So now that we've heard from our sponsor, it's time for the movie. And on this episode, we are covering the 1991 uh, <sighs> horror drama comedy. No, nora. How do you say that word? Film noir. Yeah, that thing. Um, uh, Science fiction uh, prequel to Men in Black. (laughs) Naked (laughs) naked Lunch.
0: (laughs) Naked Lunch, yeah. Uh, I was not naked while I watched this film. I was not eating lunch while I watched this film. And like Brian said earlier, this film had nothing to do with being naked or eating lunch. But I've always wanted to see this movie, and I just never got around to it. Like I said earlier, it's not necessarily horror, but it has some elements of the genre, even though it's uh, listed on the Internet Movie Database as a drama. But basically think Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas meets Dick Tracy with a splash of Roger Rabbit and a whole shit ton of drugs and bugs.
1: So there's actually some Simpsons ties to the movie. Did you know that? No. So you had said that you weren't naked or eating lunch while you watched the movie. Do you remember there was an episode of The Simpsons where Bart And Milhouse and the bully, Nelson, they steal a car and they go on this cross country trip and they see that it's this movie is playing at the Aztec theater. So they get fake IDs and they go in to watch the movie. And on the way out, Nelson says, well, that title was misleading.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember that episode, but you know, it seems to me too, that I can't remember if it was like nine seven six evil or Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four, some movie in that vein from that time period. I want to say it was Nightmare on Elm Street Four. Naked Lunch was on the marquee of a of a movie theater in a scene. I have to look that up.
1: And this is a. I don't want to say typical, but I say typical. It's a Criterion movie. It's one of those movies that Criterion has grabbed and put on 4K or put on Blu-ray that it's kept around because it was not successful at the box office. Oh, God, no. did not make a lot of money. didn't make any money.
0: No, it was almost negative. Don't say the amount yet because that's like part of my rating.
1: (laughs) Don't spoil it. So it's about this guy. And I can read his synopsis, but I don't even know that that tells you what the fuck it's about. After developing an addiction to the substance he uses to kill bugs, and we've talked about it already, roach powder, an exterminator accidentally kills his wife, accidentally, didn't seem very much like an abstinence to me, I mean, but, and becomes involved in a secret government plot being orchestrated by giant bugs in a port town in North Africa.
0: See, one thing that I think that the uh, the synopsis, excuse me, synopsis should mention is that it's a period piece. It's set in uh, the early 50s, I believe. And so that's what kind of gives it that film noir kind of feel to it, that gumshoe detective kind of Dick Tracy, you know, it opens with the freeform jazz. and But so it was originally a novel written by William S. Burroughs and Naked Lunch was directed by none other than David Cronenberg, who I have always enjoyed as a director. Brian, I know, I know that you have liked some of his films like a, a Rabid, Shivers, Videodrome, Scanners. I mean, just to name a few. And if you need a visual of who David Cronenberg is, he played the psychotic serial killer, Dr. Decker, in Clive Barker's Nightbreed.
1: Yeah. And the parts with special effects looked amazing. The special effects were great. I loved the typewriters. I loved the bugs. I love some of the transformations of the people. But that all got bogged down by, I mean, the movie was an hour and 55 minutes. So it just got bogged down by too much.
0: It did. I I was going to get to this later on in my notes, but it started out as this very promising film, nor kind of like I say, you know, 50s detective style type gritty urban setting type movie, which I'm a huge fan of. And then about a quarter of the way through the movie, it moved um, locations and it just got bogged down with a brick, you know, just this heavy anchor and it just took forever. You know, another fucking reason this movie took forever is because we always talk about physical being Neither of us have this on physical media. It was not streaming anywhere. The only place you could watch this was Max. If you had a Max subscription, which I was just not willing to pay $15.99 for a subscription to watch one movie. Brian actually sent me a link from Internet Archives, which he talked about way back in October of 2023 when we covered, um, what was the movie that
1: you watched on that? Um, God, I don't even remember. Oh, shit. I got to go through our episode list. Yeah, I've watched a couple movies on there. I mean... The Midnight Hour. When he's
0: found that on the internet archives, sent me the link. I was really happy. For the first time ever, this shows you how old I am. I'm not like a tech dummy, but I'm just not real tech savvy. So for the first time, I did the screen mirroring. So I'm watching it. You know, It's transferred from my phone onto my Roku. And it fucking buffered every 10 minutes. This long-ass movie took me like five hours to watch. I paused it once to take a break. I came back. It had to start all over at the beginning.
1: Yeah, and I've never I've never had that issue with it, but I'm sitting right next to the internet box, so I don't know if that makes a difference. I was right by the right by the internet, but long movie
0: and then it became longer. It was like watching Gilligan's Island. It was a three hour tour.
1: We watched Oppenheimer and it was shorter than this movie. And Oppenheimer's three hours and three minutes long.
0: Back to Cronenberg, I found out that he was writing the screenplay for Naked Lunch while he was acting on the set of Nightbreed. I thought that was interesting because I've always considered Cronenberg to be like the Canadian Clive Barker. And there was, in my opinion, some evidence in my mind of the similarities between the two and Naked Lunch. Like a good chunk of Naked Lunch takes place in like a Cosba, Morocco type setting. And it's where like a lot of people are searching for like forbidden pleasures. And it just reminded me of Clive Barker goes there a lot in the Hellraiser series.
1: Yeah. And it, like you had said, it got like a quarter of the way in and that switches from New York to... I guess it's Africa, South Africa is where it's supposed to be. I didn't I mean, I, maybe I got that feeling a little bit, but not really.
0: I was thinking more Middle East and then down here somewhere in my nose I saw that some of the scenes were supposed to be shot overseas in like Iraq but then the I- Iraq war broke out so everything was actually filmed in Toronto and they brought a bunch of sand in to make it look like the desert so I don't get the North Africa thing.
1: To me, it didn't need that. It could have stayed in New York and been, I feel like, better or split its time. Maybe half, w- half of the movie in New and then the other half, it's based on a book. How much of the book is it following? I would be pissed to find out if the book was mostly in New York and they just filled this other part in.
0: No, um, I haven't read the book, but everything that I researched, it looks like it was pretty to the story. And then they even, um, there's the one scene jumping way ahead where Peter Weller, who plays our lead, Bill, he's riding in the car with Julian Sands, who's this flamboyant, wealthy, kind of artistic type in the land. And he gets in this long fucking monologue about the talking asshole story, which I guess is like a word for word story that... That the original writer, William S. Burroughs, had written, or part of the original novel of Naked Lunch. Yeah, it says here again the Naked Lunch was written by William S. Burroughs and is very relatable, I thought, I think, to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which was written by Hunter S. Thompson, and both of them were literary, influential, like, counterculture figures. And of course, there was a whole lot of drugs, a whole lot of fucking drugs. I wish I still did drugs when I watched this movie. I might have enjoyed it
1: more. I'm going to need some drugs if I ever have to watch it again. Even when I did drugs, I didn't do hard enough drugs to really fully be
0: able to comprehend this film.
1: <laughs> that's the hard part. Is you look at the actors that were in it and actresses, they're great. I mean, you got RoboCop, you got the guy from Warlock, and you got the guy from Jaws. Not that that's what they're all they're known for, but I mean, you got Peter Weller, you got Julian Sands, and you got Roy Schneider. You got a great fucking cast.
0: It was really weird to see Roy Schreider in this film because this is the first film I can think of where he plays such a flamboyant character and then it was even more jarring towards the end of the movie. You find out that he's actually lead villain who's a female and he unzips this suit and steps out from inside of her skin and you realize that it's Roy Schreider inside of this woman the whole time and he's grabbing onto her nipples and stuff and he's just kind of happy (laughs) and flinging around like, what in the fuck is going on?
1: (laughs) So the the beginning of the movie in new york peter weller is an exterminator he gets accused of well he doesn't have enough powder to do a job one day so he gets in trouble at work he goes home he finds out his wife is injecting this roach powder to get high you know he gets pulled into the police station whilst he also finds out that his two friends are doing the roach powder with his wife and doing his wife well the only the ones doing the wife the other one's like reading weird beatneck poetry kind of like <laughs>
0: Well, but then you remember the one reading the poetry looked at Bill Peter Weller and was like, hey, do you think you and I should join him? And he's just yeah, kind of like, not today. He's like, I got I to go shoot up bug powder heroin in the in the bedroom. No, thank you. Yeah,
1: Had a rough day at work. <laughs> there was a couple of moments I caught myself laughing out loud. Maybe I shouldn't have been, but the guy that gives him the powder at work is like putting it in his face and like eating it. And he's like, it's fine. It won't, you know, and the guy's like, oh, the chink probably shortchanged you. He shortchanged me last week, the whole white guy.
0: <laughs> I went into this movie, had to deal with um, hallucinations and drugs, but I was taking it very literal. So when I saw that, I thought to myself, I wonder if that was them, you know, showing that these exterminators, it was all a hoax. And then, so you got the guy just eating the the powder, the big uh, Chinese guy or whatever that, you know, divvies out the powder, eating it like it was fake. But no, come to find out, he was just, everybody just getting high off the bug powder.
1: Even the bugs. So then at some point he comes home, he finds his wife, you know, and she says, oh, we were just bored. And then he decides to play a game. They want to play William Tell, and he ends up shooting her in the head. And then does he get in trouble after that?
0: The cops say that he murdered his wife and he he's on the run. And that's when he trades the gun in it like a pawn shop for this typewriter. And then that's when we he goes to this inner pool zone because the bugs have already started talking to him and hired him as like the special CIA agent. And that for me is when the movie just, I didn't enjoy it anymore. I stuck with it. I was trying to, and it just kept, the ripple kept getting further out and further out for me because it went from this pulp nor, you know, indie kind of crime drama type thing into this what in the fuck. One thing that's interesting is I found out that, or I mean, the lead Bill played by Peter Weller, who played Robocop, that whole scene where he accidentally shoots his wife actually happened to the original writer, William S. Burroughs. The source novelist did indeed accidentally shoot his wife, Joan, in the head in 1951 in Mexico in a William Tell stunt that went disastrously wrong, obviously. Mexican law at the time meant that Burrows only served 13 days in prison for killing his wife. So that was based on an actual thing that happened That happened to the original writer. And then it sounds like a lot of the stuff that in the characters were all people from Burrow's life.
1: Were they high on roach powder? Like, what the fuck were they doing down in Mexico shooting at each other with a glass on your head? There was a lot of drugs involved. Kind of bouncing all around here.
0: You were talking about the cast. And um, his wife, Joan, is played by Judy Davis. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at her this whole movie. And I'm like, I know who this is, but who the fuck is this? Who is this? And then finally it hit me. She plays nerd bucket in netflix uh ratcheted so she's still around she's still acting and although ratcheted came out in 2017 i think and i did just find out completely unrelated to naked lunch that they've been talking about a ratcheted season two but it has been officially canceled which is pretty sad
1: i hate netflix some fuckers cancel everything they cancel everything it makes no sense too bad they weren't around to cancel this fucking movie <laughs> Tell me about it. See, but the
0: thing is, when I went into it, I was so optimistic. Like like I say, the freeform jazz hit and the, the gritty green walls and the scenery and the dialogue. And, you know, like I could tell early on in the restaurant scene where Bill's two friends and Bill were discussing rewriting. I was like, this is a film that I'm going to want to rewatch multiple times to be able to soak it all in. But just like I say, as the film went on, I, I just changed my mind. It just The ripple kept getting so far out.
1: And that's always the hard part of these kind of films because it's well acted, has a great cast. It looks great. I mean, it sounds great. It was just bogged down. There was too much there.
0: There was too much, and I get into some of that when I get towards my rating, but uh something I have in my notes here is like you just said, all of the performances were, were portrayed well. But it was one of those films that was very monotone with a whole lot of like quiet dialogue, which really made it hard to follow, not to mention what fucking buffering i had to deal with and the fact that it was just so wild and out of left field again it was really cool in the beginning and then when after he shoots his wife and he goes to this like morocco type setting they like briefly mentioned that he's going to get out of town and then boom the next scene is him walking around the casbah and i'm trying to figure out it took me a minute to really figure out what was going on
1: yeah i missed that part i was like where the fuck did he go he was just in new york now he's somewhere else I don't even think I got up to do something. I just think I like blinked maybe and it was, I missed it.
0: Yeah, all of a sudden it was like Casablanca on like hallucinogenic drugs.
1: Do you think the film would have been better if it stayed in New York? I mean, you have to follow the book, but do you feel like if it was set in New York the whole time? it would have been better
0: personally for me. Yes. But again, that's subjective because you say it all the time. Just because I don't like a film doesn't mean it's not the best film. Just because I would rather see it all take place in in a gritty urban New York, Chicago style setting in the 50s doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of people out there who enjoyed it the way it was. Uh, But for me personally, yeah, if the movie would have stayed in New York, I think it would have been a lot better. I'm saying New York. They never said where it was. It just that's what I got from it. But
1: 1953 New York, where it was supposed to be set, yeah. Was it? Okay,
0: it looked like the borough.
1: I mean, at some point, he goes to the doctor to get a medication to get him off the roach powder
0: which was Roy Schreider. And at that point, Roy Schreider just was what I know of as Roy Schreider. But by the end of the movie, Roy Schreider is not Roy Schreider.
1: So he gets this black powder that he mixes with the roach powder that ends up being some kind of centipede, ground up centipede. He ends up going to Morocco or wherever they're at and that is the drug of choice there, is these huge centipedes that they grind up and give to people. And then it ends up being a different drug that they suck from these the head of these alien creatures or other creatures.
0: They look like these weird alien chicken creatures with no wings or, or feathers. But yeah, those creatures are called the Mugwump. And the Mugwump means tribal leader. Did they, and it, am I helping this make more sense?
1: No? No. And all the Mugwumps and all the people in Morocco or South Africa, all the men, like men. Or I think they just like anything. They just like to have sex. I don't even think it matters with what or with who. Again, a
0: lot of this, I wrap up my thoughts in in my rating, but I'll jump ahead. I said, the story derails its gritty pulp noir promise and bounces around too many themes from politics to international spies to homosexuality to drug use. To weigh too many interesting but jammed in concepts, such as there was the line um, where evil has always existed in America, even before the Native, Native Americans inhabited the land. Or, of course, the attempt to fit in the entire talking asshole segment from William S. Burroughs' story. So much going on. And then the mugwump, you're talking about um the sexuality, which was, you know, kind of tied in throughout all this. The mugwump was very phallical. It had like these little fleshy like nubs coming from its head, but one real long one that secreted this I don't know, like white milky substance that people were chained up and sucking on and it was so
1: bizarre. I wonder if this guy just got high in New York, went to Mexico, stayed high the whole time he was there, shot his wife, and then wrote a book about it. And this is what came out.
0: That's the best synopsis I've heard so far. <laughs> Yo, know, and then the film, though. I mean, again, the whole film is so bizarre. It's only lucid in minor moments, where like you see that the busted up typewriter bug is actually a sack of drugs. There's a scene later on in the movie where it appears that Bill's just kind of reached the end, like he can't hold it together as a writer or just a human. He's kind of like in these dark alleyways and he's sleeping on the beach and his blank. He's dug into the sand for a blanket and a pillow and just kind of like what you would think of as a desperate junkie. His friends go to help him and they let me see your bag. What's in there? My typewriter or whatever. And you just see just all this paraphernalia. Even those lucid moments, they're so few and far between.
1: Were there really typewriter bugs talking out of their buttholes or was it just a typewriter? It's it's
0: all up for interpretation. If, If I had to try to explain this, I would say that there were not really bugs. It was all the drugs. And this was his journey dealing with the death of his wife and him trying to be a struggling writer and make it. But there's no closure at the end of the film. The end of the film, he is driving with his wife, who he's already shot, and then she's like reincarnated in the Cosba. And they escape Roy Schreider, who unzips himself from a woman's suit. And they're driving into what seems like this Russian territory. They're greeted by these two Russian-style looking police officers, who are actually the New York police officers, questioning him about her murder in New York they're asking him if he's a writer and to prove it he does the whole William Tell trick and shoots her in the head again and that's the end of the movie and you're just sitting there going where is the closure where is the tie in just give me some little drop of to make this make sense please
1: and they're like welcome have a good day after he shoots her again this is one of those movies that if i had like 15 people watching it with me i'd probably have a fucking blast with it but by myself on a Friday night after working all week, I'm just like, what the fuck did I just watch?
0: See, and I agree because I actually love these style films. I love to sit there and try to figure it out and put the puzzle together and come up with my interpretation of the, what metaphors are being presented and stuff. But this one for me was just, just way out there. You know, I talked early on about um, finding the horror in films. This is not a horror film, but it is a David Cronenberg film who is, if you are into horror, you know who David Cronenberg is. And if you don't, look up some of his films, you will enjoy a lot of them. But this was loaded with some really great Cronenberg signature style practical effects. And I mean, that was a bonus. That and the fact that all the performances were done well, even though I didn't enjoy how they were done as far as the monotone and the really quiet dialogue. Those two things I think are what made me be able to finish this movie because I didn't want to finish it. It was tough.
1: We're going to have to cover something else that we want to finish next time, right? Green slime! <laughs> so you want to rate the movie? I mean, there's two hours of fucking movie, and we only need to talk about 15 minutes of the damn thing, and we've already doubled that.
0: I've got one, sorry to cut you, i got one fun fact I want to hit on. And this is another one of those movies where if you go to the internet movie database, look up the trivia, there's a lot of really interesting stuff. I pulled a few of them, and this is one that I thought was cool. The Portland, Oregon-based video store, Movie Madness, purchased one of the mugwump bodies and has it displayed hanging from the ceiling. Now, the reason it's hanging from the ceiling is if you've seen this movie, you know what I'm talking about. If you decide to go watch this movie and say, you know, even though these guys told me they didn't enjoy it, I'm still going to go see it, which I hope you do. Towards the end of the movie, all the mugwumps were like chained up and like sex slaves and hung from the ceiling, like a whole room of them, and they were... Their serum was being nursed from them or something. So apparently this Portland, Oregon-based video store has one hanging from the ceiling. But I'm not sure if that video store still exists today. So if anyone in the Portland, Oregon area hears this episode, email us at ilikespookypot at gmail.com and let me know if there is a mugwump dripping from your ceiling.
1: It'd be cool if you could uh, like fill up a frosty from it, a white frosty or you know something, fill your glass up. No? I'm never going to eat vanilla anything
0: ever again. <laughs> never. There you go. That's how you know, hey, even though I didn't enjoy this movie, you know you're in like good company if you pull up to like Wendy's and say, yeah, I need a large mugwump. And they go, yep, I know what you're talking about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. Maybe they'll do that for like the 50th anniversary of this movie. Mugwump Frosties. I don't think it'll happen. but
0: You know, Peter Weller turned down RoboCop 3 to be in this film. I wonder if he regrets that. Fuck,
1: I regret it.
0: <laughs> I don't know, because I wasn't a big fan of RoboCop 3, but I'm it had more of a mainstream appeal. Because now is a good time to talk about the budget. You brought it up earlier. They spent $16 million on this film, and it only made... Two point six million dollars. Let me repeat that. They spent sixteen million dollars, and it made two point six million.
1: Actually, it was somewhere between sixteen and eighteen. It had a very limited release, and it probably stayed limited because the people that went and seen it were like, "I need to tell people about this because it was crazy," but I don't need to go see it again. Or you know, it probably didn't do well in limited release, so they didn't push it out further.
0: I saw where the Canadian Film Bureau or whatever didn't think it was going to have mainstream appeal, so they didn't really give it a big push. I don't know if they would have given it a big push if it would have reached anybody. Because I tell you what, I again, I enjoy this style of film. And even at the time, this came out. I did a lot of drugs and I enjoyed watching these, you know, type of movies. And I can tell you that even if I was all jacked up, I don't think I would have enjoyed this film. This, even jacked up, I would have got done watching this. Like, what in the fuck just happened?
1: You'd have thrown your drugs away because you'd have thought it was bad shit.
0: I, oh, I'd have been, you know. <laughs>
1: I would have been paranoid as shit. Looking at your typewriter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I have a an old school typewriter just like that too. It was my grandpa's, and I, I when I was a kid, I would try to write screenplays on it. It's, it's, I'm looking at it right now. It's, you know, still here. No more drugs for me, or I'd smash it because it turned into a bug and try to eat me. And not only do not only was the typewriter a bug, but I had this giant asshole for an abdomen. With little hair on the side. And that's what it spoke from. And then it wanted you to rub the bug powder on the asshole lips. It was just so bizarre. Just-
1: Fuck, how do we segue from asshole to, and bug powder lips to the, the podcast network? We haven't even rated it yet. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. You sure there's not fucking roach powder anywhere on my computer? <laughs> <laughs> I told you it's all gone. Okay, so we're gonna rate the movie.
0: When we get done rating, that's how we segue into it. Segue <laughs> into it, because I'm sure whether it's us or someone else, someone in the PFPN is just nothing but a bunch of assholes, you know. So
1: hell, there's not much more to say about this movie. I gave it a six out of ten. Roach powder injections. Whoa. It was well acted. I did enjoy the practical effects. It was too long, though. But I can't totally hate on it because I got through it. There's shit I've turned off late. I got through it in one sitting, not two or three. So it's not my style movie. There's people that are going to watch this and really like it. I mean, Criterion fucking put it out on physical media. So that means something to a lot of people.
0: I personally think six is a little too high.
1: Probably is.
0: So I went four designer drugs out of ten. To me, five is average. And um, I will not be revisiting this movie. I've always wanted to see this movie. I was excited to cover this movie. I'm the one who put this movie on the list. And you're the one who pushed to actually cover it. I I don't know if my expectations were too high, but I, I was very disappointed. Like I say, there was just too much they tried to jam in there. And I'm repeating myself again, but I I do wish that I still did all the drugs that I used to do because maybe I could appreciate the film a little more. But I don't even know if that would help. Four out of ten designer drugs. First of all, we're not the end-all, be-all authorities on any film. This is a film that I do think everybody should at least attempt to to view at least once in their life. It's I've seen worse movies. It does have something to say. It got bogged down in the middle. I personally wished it had a little more clear direction and maybe something to kind of wrap it up in the ending instead of leaving it so wide open. But I think everybody needs to experience a film or films like this at least once.
1: I was watching the movie and Tiffany walks through the front room and she's like the fuck are you watching i think it was when the typewriter was talking out of its asshole and i was like some shit Clint." put on the fucking movie list i don't
0: know oh yeah all of a sudden you all of a sudden blame it on me i was like i i don't know i'm not invited to galesburg anymore am i
1: within the first 15 minutes when like the typewriter was at in new york so it was still interesting and not so bad yep i can
0: hey hon clint's coming into town do you think he could stay the night and she's like hell no hell no clint's not staying here
1: Put the typewriter away.
0: Make him go hang out with the rest of those asshole PFPM boys. They got
1: typewriters, I think. There's a couple of writers on the the podcast network. Maybe
0: one of them can write a sequel.
1: You want to do special effects for that? Yep. Wait, no. We need 15 assholes.
0: (laughs) Can we maybe make it a little more feminine?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. 15 vaginas. 15 talking vaginas. So now that we've heard from our podcast network, it's time for This Day in Horror. A date which will live in infamy. Oh, we got March 4th through March 17th. God, we're already into March.
0: Shit. Hey, the weather's starting to reflect it. It's warming up. Thank God.
1: So on March 4th, we have from 1974, From Beyond the Grave, 1982, The New York Ripper, and then 1983, Curtains. I've seen Curtains. You've seen Curtains?
0: I've seen Curtains. I've seen the New York Ripper, and I think I've seen the other one.
1: We covered Curtains. I don't remember which episode that was. I should have wrote that down. We covered it on the show.
0: We still, we sort of covered New York Ripper.
1: Yeah.
0: Way back when we did that live with Justin Beam from Halloween Palooza like two years ago, and we got, in a, we got in a bit of a conversation about the duck, the Don, Donald Duck Killer.
1: And then on March 5th, 1943, you get Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. And then 1954, you get Creature from the Black Lagoon. March fifth is a good day. Classic. And then March 6th, you get Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde from 1913, one of the 15... I mean, that movie was made like 15 times before 1950. I'm seeing a trend, though. March seems to be classic month. Yeah, and then uh 92, you get... The Lawnmower Man, two thousand three. You get Dreamcatcher, and then in two thousand eight, get Pony Pool. You get what? What's Pony Pool? Pony Pool. I've seen it before. What the fuck is Pony Pool? What is it about? It's a psychological thriller about a deadly virus that in- infects a town in Canada. Radio host. I'm sure you've seen it before. Maybe you haven't.
0: It doesn't ring a bell, but I like the synopsis. I'll have to check that out.
1: Pony is it Pony Pool or Pony Pool? P O N T Y P O O L. It's been a while since I've seen it.
0: I tell you what, the, the film journey that we seem to be taking on the show here lately, it, that sounds right up our alley. Pontypool, Pontypool. Let's check it out. But
1: first, we're going to cover Green Slime. What else? Where were we at? Oh, March 7th in 1908, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Yep. And then in 1933, King Kong. Wait, had... let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. No. Oh. King Kong had its New York City premiere. That's huge. No pun intended. That is really big. March 8th in 1964, Last Man on Earth. (sighs) Yeah. (sighs)
0: Talk about classics.
1: And then in 1969, Mad Monster Party. Pretty damn cool. Yeah, a lot of older movies this month. You got to, like, the 8th, and it just all fucking died out. I didn't find anything after the 8th of the month.
0: I figured you would have at least a couple of Leprechaun and, like, a couple of the sequels in there.
1: Well, maybe there was, but it was probably, like, Leprechaun in Space, and who the fuck wants to talk about that? Lepre- <laughs> leprechaun Back of the Hood Part 2 again or whatever, yeah. We'll um, talk about that next episode when we're covering <laughs> Green Slime. <laughs> green Slime. He said, who the hell wants to talk
0: about that? <laughs>
1: Oh, that's funny. Now, I might watch Naked Lunch. Well, no, I'll watch watch Leprechaun in Space. Who are we kidding?
0: I'll watch Leprechaun in Space before I watch Naked Lunch ever again.
1: I'd probably rate Leprechaun in Space lower than Green Slime, but I'd still watch it before I watch this movie. Green Slime or Naked Lunch? Naked Lunch, I gave a six. I'd probably give leprechaun in space like a three but i'd still watch it hey i don't
0: know if anybody's (laughs) following any of this this is kind of turning into a scene from naked lunch what the
1: fuck is going on oh man i need some drugs i don't even do drugs i've never done drugs but i need some right now What? coffee's a drug i guess (laughs) he
0: said but i need some right now
1: So as of now, other than watching Green Slime, I don't have anything going on. I do have one movie so far for the double feature in Burlington on October, or not October, fuck. April 6th, we have Blood Car. Justin Beam said that they've okayed Blood Car from TerraVision, so hopefully we get our next movie. And then we'll have two movies. You can come down to the Capitol Theater in Burlington on April 6th and watch some Terror Vision movies.
0: And then during intermission, you can catch Brian and I in the lobby, and we will talk to you about Naked Lunch. Or anything but Naked Lunch. Well, it depends on what you bring with you that's in your pocket that we can digest, ingest.
1: Whatever. However, she was giving it to herself in her boob. Weird spot, but whatever. You know, our
0: sometimes co-host, Leah Stalker, a Pure Macabre, she knows, like, masked men from Detroit— oh yeah she could probably score us some drugs and then we could watch naked lunch again to see if we can figure it out i don't think we
1: would it'd make it more confusing so other than that i am working with severin films again too for uh later in the year with the orpheum theater those talks are starting to happen but that's not until september october but you know convention season's starting to come around and it'll be what's the next holiday oh yeah saint patty's day St. Paddy's Day. Uh, Leprechaun, here we come. You can probably buy the whole box set. I'm sure Shout Factory put it out. I'm sure you can get it at Walmart for like twelve ninety nine. Oh, shit, yeah. I went to Walmart this weekend. We were out of town for a tumbling meet. We were in Springfield, Illinois, which is the state capital, and there was a Walmart across the street there, so I jumped over to look at the records and the movies, and I actually did a video of it. It's on our YouTube and TikTok channel. Somebody had slapped some googly eyes on a couple copies of the Megan movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like walking through Walmart, 8 o'clock on a Saturday night. I'm like, what the fuck is this? That's hilarious. A DVD of uh, Megan and Scott, like, one eye is going this way and one eye is going this way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uh, man. Walmart. Walmart, Saturday nights. Her eyes went cross trying to watch Naked Lunch. Yeah, maybe. It's not going to
0: get old yet. Brian Clark be happy we have found a new movie instead of demoniacs to bash every other episode
1: i actually asked him i was like did you like this movie he's like i remember watching it but i don't remember hating it i was like okay he didn't say oh that's one of my favorites that was
0: brian clark saying that movie's a piece of shit that's exactly what he was saying (laughs) yep i'm putting words in brian clark's mouth don't quote me on that
1: i think there's a new godzilla movie coming out soon too fuck i don't know speaking of movies to cover
0: i we have not yet covered a Godzilla movie, Mm-mm. and we need—we should do that after Green Slime. Let's not cover the new one. As long as we don't cover the one from like 2000, I'm
1: happy. I think it'll be fun because it's going to be a Marvel Godzilla movie, pretty much. It was what it sounds like and looks like. There's all these toys where there's a baby King Kong, and then there's like 15 other creatures that are from past Godzilla movies that are going to be in this movie. And Godzilla turns pink, and King Kong has like a power glove from Nintendo, it's going to be a Marvel Godzilla movie. So it'll be fun, but it won't be like a masterpiece or anything.
0: Well, two things. I think what I'm going to do is when, when, if, and when we cover it, whatever Godzilla movie, I'm actually going to watch Jurassic park, like, or something, and then that'll be the humor of that episode, is me trying to keep up with what's going on. Go, wait, no, the Velociraptor. You're like, what are you what are you talking about? And if you listeners haven't picked up on the fact that I've just been babbling about things that we should cover, it's because I really don't have anything going on right now. I kind of feel like our ex-co-host Jason. Above what I've always, you know, I'm just, I'm repeating myself. If you've listened to the shows before, you know what I'm doing. If you haven't listened to the shows, listen to the shows before, and then you'll know what I'm doing, if you're interested. Because it's just the same old shit right now.
1: I don't know, that artwork, artwork that's going on. Up- up at, at your place is looking pretty damn cool yeah but that's not what i'm up to that's what hoover's up to well yeah but you're there somebody's gotta let him in the building
0: I thought about doing an update, but I didn't want the show to turn into this segment to every other, well, there's more green paint and now I have lighting fixtures hung. (laughs) And you know, the next one is like the hole in the roof is fixed and now we're going to put down flooring, you know? Yeah, that's a lot of the focus is there. I was hoping, I don't know if I said this last episode or not, but I was hoping for a late spring opening. I'm kind of thinking that's going to be more of a early to mid-summer opening, which I'm not mad about. Things are really, really taking off out there to what will be known as psychotherapy and it's gonna keep on plugging along and doing horror stuff conventions talking about movies getting the hearse fixed and on the road henrietta's gonna fucking ride this year i tell you
1: bob vila of haunted attractions that's an interesting concept yeah on this episode of this old haunted house
0: i kind of like that concept i got the beard i'll just wear a flannel shirt
1: yep I'm cool we'll do it
0: i like bob vila
1: hi i'm bob vila welcome to this old house
0: i like this old house I used to watch it when I was a kid with my dad. I put it on. When I, I put that on now, and it's like, well, I'm putting on uh, Bob Ross. You just, I instantly get relaxed, and you're just like, yeah, go ahead and caulk the shower. Yeah, caulk the shower. Oh, yeah. Oh, you found some old wood, and he's busting out the square level. Oh, yeah, this is great.
1: Then you're like, why are you kids watching YouTube videos of people playing with toys? I'm watching this old house, as I need to fix the sink. <laughs>
0: we should just end this show right now with just Bob Ross music.
1: Bob Vila, this old house music.
0: Yeah, but I want to say Bob Ross because Bob Ross and Bob Vila. Look, so check this out. Bob Ross is kind of like Roy Schreider in Naked Lunch. He unzips himself and it's Bob Vila inside of Bob Ross.
1: Oh shit. Wouldn't that be interesting?
0: This conversation is about as fucked up as Naked Lunch.
1: What if it was though what if what if it was this? What if it was Bob Ross unzipped into Bob Vila and then Bob Vila peeled his skin off and it was actually um the guy from Reading Rainbow? Holy fuck, Lavar Burton! Yeah. And then
0: all of a sudden, all of a sudden, in the background music starts playing. Ba 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 ba-ram. ba 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 <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so scared.
1: I'm not. I'm going nightmares tonight. And he's like, "This skin's weird. Why am I wearing
0: it?" <laughs> <laughs> you just keep it going. You're just keeping it going. <laughs> <laughs> check us out on social media listen in next time if you dare bye bye
1: (laughs) you know where we're at (laughs) bye
0: hey what's wrong with you man show some fucking respect
1: for the dead will ya